Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. All right, welcome into another episode of the Rebuild Podcast. Excited to have a former coworker of mine in the studio. First time a guest in the studio. My studio is literally just um, my living room, so that's a big deal. Uh, it is Brandon Hall. He is a writer for Stack. Uh, he, on Twitter, sneak a good follow on Twitter, at bhall216. Please go follow him, uh, especially this time of year around the draft, because one of the things that Stack always does really well, and Brandon does really well, is interview, uh, what was it, a thousand draft prospects, would you about say? About a thousand draft yeah, prospects, about a thousand. I'd say. Uh, yeah, give yeah, give or take. But got a, a lot of time with Quinn and Williams, who went third overall to the Jets, so that's a really good read. So go check out all that stuff. From Brandon. Brandon, what's up, man? It's good to be reunited after the years of content that we created it is together. Good. We're creating content we, together. Uh, yeah, we were back in the content mills for a long time, just we kind of slaving. And, you know, you got out, but I, so uh, I got out. Uh, uh, not, uh, it was not voluntary. I was, uh, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was, I was forced out. Um, but you remain. You're holding it down. Um, holding I think, it down. I think every article on the site is written by you, so that's... I, do you put that on? Will you put that on your resume? Just I wrote every article on one, uh, for a website. Yeah, that yeah. will probably be my my cover letter. Yes, just that sentence. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's really really good. Um, but Brandon is here as a, a formal uh, former uh, college Hall of Fame football player. Would you say? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. On my way to Hall of Fame, I haven't yeah. gotten inducted yet. I think no. there's still you have to wait a few more years before you're eligible. Played some one double A ball in my glory days, yep. tight end. So um, yeah, I'm still waiting for that call. But dominated our flag football game. At Stack the one year we played. Oh um, yeah, made uh, one of our higher ups to tear a hamstring or whatever yep, it was. Yep, it did, so yeah, yeah, uh, good times with that. But uh, we are here to talk. You know, it's the off season, and the off season brings really important questions uh, about the Browns. So we're going to start off with the most important today. Which, so I wanted to preface this by saying to Brandon, I don't know if it's like. So I'll turn on the radio. And you'll just be listening to Sports Talk Radio, something I've worked in and now I'm out of, and so now I'm still kind of just listen to. And you don't know whether, like, the stuff that people get upset about on Sports Talk Radio is really stuff that, like, the general public is upset about, or if it's just sort of, like, middle-aged white dudes who are calling in to complain about stuff. And so when I first heard people start complaining about Odo Beckham's recent GQ interview where he said that he thinks Baker Mayfield is going to be a Hall of Famer, that he wants to win multiple Super Bowls with the Browns, that he wants to turn them into the new Patriots. All good things, I think. Uh, you started hearing people, and I do think this was really spurred on by Sports Talk Radio. This is really where I first heard it, and then it sort of like trickled on down to Twitter. But people like getting upset that Odell Beckham Jr. is uh, too confident, is saying some things that uh, maybe don't match up with what Freddie Kitchens has been saying about, like, you know, expectations don't mean anything. We've got to get on the field. All that stuff that all coaches say everywhere. Um, so the important question I have to ask you, is Odell Beckham Jr. wanting to win a Super Bowl actually bad? Uh, that's terrible. <laughs> Winning a Super Bowl? Who, who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are, but, Odell? No, but listen, I, I do think the reaction is absurd. But as I was kind of discussing with you a little bit, I think it comes... Honestly, out of a place of fear for Browns fans, I think we have gotten used to having our expectations so low for so long that when the Browns somehow even, you know, manage not to exceed those expectations, as they always somehow do, it's not quite as heartbreaking because the bar is so low. And the fact that the Browns are being picked, people are like legitimate NFL experts are picking the Browns to win the division, to, to play in the AFC Championship... 
That is so exciting, but as a lifelong Browns fan, it is also kind of terrifying for me. I have to be honest because I don't know what it is about about that idea because it's it's this idea that if we fail to live up to that expectation, the gap between what was expected and the reality is going to be larger than it's ever been. Yeah. Now, that doesn't sound logical because you want to be in the AFC Championship, you want to play for Super Bowls, but I'm just saying I think where it's coming from for some people, I think people are people are almost worried that the Browns are sort of you know, getting hyped up as a Super Bowl team, but we have to accept the fact that we, this is where we are now. Yeah. It happened really fast, and we can't be happy with, you know, going 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah. So, Super Bowls are bust. Like, that That literally has to, you have to kind of just jump on this bus, throw your hands up, and say, we're going for this. Yeah. Like, you, it's a roller coaster, but... Yeah, I, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. I think you're, you make a good point, too, about how quickly the expectations change, especially once they traded for Odell Beckham Jr., because then you're going from, without him, still a team that you're thinking, like, the Browns should compete for a playoff spot, and then you add, you know, a top three wide receiver in football. And then, yeah, so, of course, expectations are going to are gonna rapidly increase, and that is something that, one, we're not used to in Cleveland as football fans, and no. two, yeah, that can be a little bit jarring, and... I guess I do understand, like, not wanting to, like, jump ahead of ourselves and be like, yeah, favorites to win the AFC, favorites to get to the Super Bowl. Like, I understand that. Um, I think it's not even something that you can logically understand. It's something that has to do with Browns fans having such damaged psyches that it kind of freaks us out a little bit to be legitimately in a, you know, conference championship conversation. Yeah. It's like, that is just, that's... Intense. <laughs> it is intense. And so when I was saying, like, you never know, like, okay, is this something that's just sort of in a bubble and is, like, relegated to sports talk media or whatever? But it clearly has gotten loud enough that Oda Beckham oh, Jr. Felt, felt the need to – he wrote a note on his Instagram story, this long note. I won't read the whole thing, but, like, parts of it, he felt like he needed to respond. He said, I never meant to say the Browns are the new Patriots are going to be the new Patriots. I just have great respect for what uh, the Patriots have done there. Um he has some stuff in here about, uh, I know my teammates want to be part of building something like that. Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey are doing everything they can to get us there. And it's like so unnecessary for him to feel like he needs to put something like this out there because he basically is just hyped about being out. First of all, he's coming from a horrible situation in New York. He's probably so thrilled that he doesn't have to play with a um, washed up Eli Manning and a general manager that has no idea what he's doing and any of that that we're going to waste his prime and he can come to a place with Baker Mayfield. And he's just, like, really excited. And my other point, too, is, like, this happened with Baker Mayfield last year when, especially the stuff with Hugh Jackson, when people would be like, ah, I wish he'd just quit. It's like, have you, do you know Baker Mayfield? Like, have you seen his personality from when he was at Oklahoma yeah. to where he is now? Like, that's who he is. It's the same thing with Odo Beckham Jr., like, Absolutely. This dude's going to be in a kilt at the Met Gala, and he's going to say some wild stuff, but it's like positive stuff. It's nothing yeah. that you'd be like, oh my god. You know, he's not sitting down with Little Wayne for an interview yet. So, like, I just, people's reactions sometimes kill me because it's like, this is, where did you, what type, who did you think this person was? Right. I think, you know, people view it as a lot to kind of just loop back to what I'm saying. They think it's setting themselves up for disappointment. Yeah. But it's like, we haven't won the Super Bowl in... 
you know, we, we've never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So what is really the disappointment that we're worried about we're setting ourselves up for? Yeah. Like, guys, we, we have a great football team. So I think that's kind of what you have to accept. And it's wild that Odell has really gotten this reputation as, you know, I was looking at his Wikipedia page just the other day to yeah. look up how many pro balls he made, how many all pros he made. So looking at some statistics and stuff. And at that top kind of paragraph where they give you a rundown of, of like the person, it's like, he has gained quite the reputation for his like off the field antics, except despite being extraordinarily talented. <laughs> yeah. I was like, off the field antics, like think about some of these guys in the NFL and the stuff they do compared to Odell just saying, you know, wanting to be a really good football player and wanting to win Super Bowls. Yeah. Those aren't antics. Why, why, why do you think that's, you know, it's, so it is crazy. But we've never really had a guy this talented saying these things about the Browns. Yeah. So, it's it's new for everyone. Yeah, I, I mean, I tweeted this too. Is like I don't know if it, it might take some time, especially for the you know a lot of the beat reporters in this city are older, um, and the only time they have ever really had experience with somebody like this is Johnny Manziel. But he was not doing all the like he was pretty just like he was more just defiant of like I'm going to do what I want. He wasn't going like Browns to the Super Bowl, so. There's a difference in sort of that coverage too, but like I don't think they're going to have any idea how to handle Odell Beckham Jr. at least early on, and it's already between this stuff, this criticism, and the um, oh, I wish he was at voluntary minicamp, yep. even though he just was in town yeah. for the press conference. Like it's stuff like Reputation that. Reputation is one of the hardest workers in the NFL by every yeah. teammate, every position coach. But it's like it's this low hanging fruit that I hate. How often. It's just so predictable, and I I can't stand it because it's just this low-hanging fruit, and it's so meaningless. I just hate the equivalency that's made that is so lazy, like you said, between guys like Mayfield and guys like OBJ and uh, Manziel, yeah. where it's like, oh, if you're cocky, that means you must not be prepared. That right. means you must come into games expecting to win and expecting opponents to roll over for you. It's like, no, you can be cocky because... You know you're so confident in your preparation that you walk into games expecting to win because you know you've done everything possible. And I think Mayfield and and Odell absolutely fit the mold. Jarvis fits that mold. A lot of these guys fit that mold. Manziel is pretty clear. He was uber confident, but really didn't give a crap about being prepared. Yeah, there's no substance behind it. Yeah. No, no. He's just a cocky guy to be cocky, which yeah. is, you know, no one likes a person like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, there's always the honeymoon period, and it almost feels like yeah, just like I know, especially in the off season, you have to fill time and you have to fill hours. But I literally the other day was switching back and forth between multiple radio stations, and both of them were talking about is it bad Odell wants to win? You know, and it's just like I mean, obviously that's an exaggeration, but like that's what it feels like to me. Is like uh, we have this superstar. Not only like on the field, but also this dude is a celebrity off the field, and so that's it. Just comes with what he is, and I think that to get upset about these things is just very uh, boggling to me. But it's going to be something that's going to continue. One question: Now yes. that we know we're going to multiple Super Bowls, correct? Odell has said it. First Super Bowl the Browns playing. Are you in Cleveland or are you going to the game? Mm. I actually think I'd rather be in Cleveland because to me the Super Bowl is such like a. Um, I feel like it's such a more of a, yeah, event. it's like a corporate thing. And the couple corporate times event. I went for stack, it was more just like, I mean, I think like the parties and stuff around it are fun, but like you can do that and then still come home for the, yeah. yeah. So I would, I think I'd much, I just think it would be so bananas here that I would, I would regret it if I were not in the city where, and yeah. they were playing. So <sighs> honestly, the tickets would be, will be, oh, and yeah, the tickets are a billion. I don't know why I'm even posing this question. Yeah. 
Would you rather be on the sideline or yeah. at dive bar? You're, you're sitting next to the CEO of like Chase Bank who's not cheering and doesn't care. And you're just like, this is terrible. So, um, yeah, I think I would elect to uh, be in the city while it probably burns down. But you know what? That's fine. If that's the way Cleveland goes, then that's the way Cleveland goes. That's, I mean, no better way to go out. No, no better way. Um, speaking of Baker Mayfield, you know, he was, I guess... NFL players just go to the Kentucky Derby? Is this like a thing that I didn't realize? Is this something that's happened? Tom Brady right? started it. Tom Brady Several started. years ago, he just shows up with a massive crew at the yeah. Kentucky Derby and Drunk social media Edwin. goes nuts. Yeah. yeah. Like his, all his slot receivers are hammered always and yeah. they're just kind of like following him around. Yeah. Um, his slot receivers the size of jockeys. <laughs> they are. They're commonly they mistaken. sneak in there. Julian Edelman could 100% put on a jockey outfit and be like, where's my horse? He'd win. He would just <laughs> win. He'd be blacked out and he'd win. Um, so that's Julian Edelman. You should definitely try to do that because he probably listens to this podcast. Um, Baker Mayfield was there. Baker Mayfield hanging out with football royalty uh, in the club with Tom Brady. Um, there were some comments about Baker. Uh, pudgy is the word that I've seen being thrown around. I think you mean body shaming. <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. People are body shaming Baker Mayfield, and it's upsetting to me. It's ups- I can see on your face it's also upsetting to you. I'm crying. Yeah. No, you can't see it. Brandon's openly weeping. Um, <laughs> is Did Baker Mayfield look pudgy? Are you concerned with Baker Mayfield's Kentucky Derby freshman 15? No. As, I think it's all the beard. The beard has gotten so much uh, yeah. thicker, so much more lustrous than what we saw last season. I saw on the Brown social media that he was doing some sort of promotion with a local beard oil company. Oh. So he's oiling that thing up. He, oh. He's feeding that it's thing. His, it's his brand now. Yeah, that is, I mean, and when you have a big, bushy beard like that, you can't really look like a scrawny guy. No, it makes your face look just bigger. It makes your face yeah. look so much bigger. Um, has he maybe packed on some pounds? Yeah, pro- probably. But it, we're, we're in the dead of the offseason, really, when you think about it. I know, you know, OTAs and all that, but we're still... So many weeks away from the start of the first game, it's it's a non-story that Baker's looking a little thick. He's also like Baker is just. I got to go to one training camp uh, where he spoke afterwards, so I got to one time like be pretty up close to him, and that dude's chest is a barrel. I mean, like he's not a he's not a small dude. He's not a small person, no. and he's never really been in like. If you think about the typical NFL athlete, like Baker Mayfield is not in that shape. No. And he never will be, but he's still like a, he's just a bigger dude. Dude, look at Russell Wilson recently. <laughs> Russell Wilson, similar height to Baker. Russell Wilson, there's sometimes where I'm watching games, I'm like, he looks huge. Yeah, like he's too like, big. Yeah, like he looks gigantic. Yeah. Like, I, so I think, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't, I would not worry about it. It's, uh, it's a non-concern, you know, he's, hey, you gotta be thick in those, that AFC North winner, December You gotta games, be thick. Though. You gotta be you thick. You gotta be thick. Yeah, <laughs> Baker Mayfield's thick. Look, if he, if he had too many mint juleps, then it's, you know, it's yeah. fine. Go have a mint julep. Those look to, I literally don't care at, about horse racing at all, but, and it seems like it's always raining at every Kentucky Derby. It rained yeah. last year, it rained this year. Um, but it looks like the infield or whatever they call it. I don't know if that's the correct horse racing term. Excuse me if it's not, but people get wild. Oh, people, like get, people very wild. get wild. Yeah, and I would. I think one time, and I would wear a crazy hat, mm-hmm. and like a, <laughs> I'd wear like an outlandishly colored suit and a crazy hat, and yeah. I would just like walk around drinking mint juleps. And I, I think that's, uh, I think that's on everyone's bucket list. That's a dream. And Baker's already crossed it off. 
Wow. I mean, the guy's living the dream. Wow. With Tom Brady. With Tom Brady. I know. I would love, like, a slightly tipsy conversation between those two. What is Tom Brady like, though, at these events, I, though? He's probably Tom so started, boring. He doesn't drink alcohol, does he? started as such a normal guy. There's, yeah. there's like, a profile from 2004, 2003, where they're, like, the whole idea of it is that he's a normal guy. He's, like... He's eating potato chips and likes to, his teammates talk about how fast he drinks a beer and all that stuff. And now he's this ultra football robot. And now he's never had a like, strawberry. Yeah, yeah, you know, hydrates every ounce of water he drinks yeah. and doesn't eat strawberries and somehow turns dirt into ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he's just at the Kentucky Derby like, no, I can't. I yeah. can't have any of this. No. And he's just like sitting there. Julian, are you gambling again? <laughs> uh, Julian, we've, we've discussed this. <laughs> Julian's like, this is the one day of the year. Leave me alone, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bet you he's super boring. Like, he can't be that much fun. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you'll have to have him on. That's the only... Yeah, he's next week's guest. Yeah. So you are... Tough that to follow. It's okay. you. Good luck, Tom. Uh, Good that's luck. what I'm saying, Mike. Did you hear Brandon on last week's pod? <laughs> Killed it. Um, yeah, all right. So uh, Brandon has confirmed it's not a big deal that uh, Baker looked somewhat chubby at the Derby. It's mostly his beard, so we're holding you to that. All right, let's take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You can get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. So enough with the cheap razors. They're terrible. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, so Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany, and they've been making quality blades for over 95 years. So join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. You can claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee, so if you don't love your shave, you just let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. All right, back to my conversation with Brandon Hall. Brandon, you talked to a lot of prospects, as we mentioned at the beginning of this. Um, talked to Quinnen Williams. Had a really good long piece on him. He obviously went very high in the draft. Um, I got a chance to speak with Cleveland Farrell, who then, to everybody's shock, went number four, and you went right after Quinnen to the Oakland Raiders. He was one of the nicer guys I've had the opportunity to speak to. Um, for you, whether it was on the Browns or, or somebody else, was there a guy that you profiled that you think ended up in like a really good spot that you think people should be paying attention to? I will offer a couple Ooh. because I don't like playing by the rules, and you said one. Oh, you're, so, you're a rebel. That's, uh, everyone says that about you. The Redskins totally restocked their offense with uh, – you know, first they go out and get Dwayne Haskins, which is a huge get for them yep. after years of mediocrity at the position or relative mediocrity. Um, they get Terry McLaurin, who's a guy who really rised up kind of through the draft process. And yeah. I think he could be a very reliable playmaker from them. And they also got Kelvin Harmon, who was a guy that was, we profiled, who was projected to go in the first round at, at one point, a extremely good jump ball receiver, very strong. He did not run that well at the Combine, and that is the only knock on him. But all his intangibles, his production is sky high. They got him in the sixth round. So I would not be surprised to see the Redskins' offense really improve. The okay. other guy is David Montgomery, the running back out of Iowa State, who um, pro football focus just absolutely loved him. His numbers in college at a glance looked 
somewhat pedestrian, like yards per carry and stuff like that. But pro football focus accounts for poor offensive line play, and he ran behind one of the the worst offensive lines yeah. in the country for two of his years there and just put up you know crazy numbers in terms of broken tackles, yards after contact. He's a guy who had, had like 1,200 yards one season and 800 of them came after contact. That's so right. I think he can <laughs> be what. really yeah. – um, uh, he can be at every – you know he can be an every down player for them. I know they have other backs there, talented backs, but um, – He's just a guy who I think is is they're really gonna like, and another guy that checks all the intangible yeah. boxes. To, to say the most coach speak. Thing yeah, you are. He just checks all the boxes. When you it comes are. To you're an NFL coach right now. But uh, his contact bounce. Go watch his highlights. It's crazy. There, he will be in a huddle of defenders on top of them, yeah. and then just score it out and run another twenty yards. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And that's a fun offense to go into with Matt Nagy and yeah. like a creative offense. Man, so. what Matt I. Matt Nagy did so much for Mitch Trubisky. I really, yeah. I really like that. Yes. The Mitch Trubisky um, conversation is an interesting one. So I just, shameless plug, but I just interviewed him for a thing on Uproxx. And, like, I was writing an intro. And, you know, there's, like, there's, I feel like there's people on both sides of the Mitch Trubisky thing. Where, like, there's people that would be like, oh, yeah, he's going to be a perennial pro bowler. He's going to be, like, he's the quarterback. Yeah. But then, especially the advanced stats with Mitch Trubisky are... Um, not horrible, but they're right. not great. Yeah. And uh, so he's really interesting because there was, especially his um, his rookie year. Now, this is partly the fault of John Fox's terrible offense that they were running. But um, there's an interesting stat that's called, like, um, expected completion percentage. And it just takes into account, like, down and how open your wide receiver was and all this stuff. So it's, like, what your expected per- completion percentage should have been. Like, if you were to... Um, pass. There's certain passes that you miss that sounds like a Sashi Brown number. Uh, analytics. <laughs> it's a yeah. It's an NFL next gen stat, and I love that website, as I know you do as well. Yes. Um, and basically, when he was a rookie, like he was in, it was like he was like negative five and a half. So he was like five and a half percentage points worse. He was supposed to be completing five and a half percent more passes, which is pretty bad. Um, he he bumped that number up to like one in year two, but there's just. A handful, like his yards per attempt is not great. Um, so it's going to be really interesting with Mitch because I feel like people decided right away. They're like, wow. Oh, yeah. He's because the Chicago has been like Cleveland with quarterbacks. Like they have struggled to find like a consistent like franchise dude. Um, and so when they traded up for him, everybody was like, this is their guy. And he's, I don't know. I mean, like he had a good year, but he had some really pedestrian games where he threw for yeah. like 200 yards. I think it, it, that was just really good for him to get that pairing with a creative play caller yes, who can scheme up that. some easy completions, who can kind of move the ball, even if, you know, he's not necessarily on his game. Yeah. Like the creativity, just to hit on it real quick, the creativity that Freddie Kitchen showed in eight games as our play caller last yeah. year, I hope we do not lose that now that we have an absolute armory of offensive talent yeah. because it was so much fun to watch. And I think that's really how you'd be successful in the NFL is you utilize your, we- your weapons in a creative way instead of trying to force feed guys. And I don't think that um, Todd Munkin, I don't, I think he is a creative player. Yes. So I don't think it will be an issue, no. but I'm just a little worried about it. After seeing Freddie Kitchens doing so much interesting stuff last year, yeah. Jarvis throwing long passes, yeah. you know, uh, just, just Baker's, 
fake throw handoffs that yeah. were so cool. So yeah, no, I'm the same way. I hope he and I think he will too because I think you know Freddie talks a lot about just like be who you are. Like that's been a big thing of his as in talking press conferences, and I think that applies to him too as an offensive coordinator. Like I don't think he's going to change. I think he will hopefully run some really fun stuff. And the thing is too, like players have got to love that too when they call. Like I'm sure Jarvis when they got oh. the call is like yes, <laughs> like let's go. Yeah. So uh, Jarvis and OBJ combined for more passes than Andy Dalton this year. Touchdown. <laughs> yes or no? Uh, <laughs> it's yes. It's got to be yes. Clearly. But we do have two guys on offense outside the quarterback now who can legitimately throw the ball pretty well. I will never get crazy. over Jarvis Landy threw a dime. That was a dime like, over the shoulder, right? Like, how? Yeah. Like, you haven't thrown a pass all year. No. When's the last time you threw a pass? In December. In a it's just like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just launching. So, no, I uh, I think, and, and people, I think sometimes you'll forget about Todd Munkin. I am so excited for his influence where he's just going to be like, throw it deep every time. Yeah. Like, I'm just ready for the chaos. Yeah, if you have doubts about Todd, go look at the uh, Buccaneers like game logs for the yeah. first three games last year. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for like 400 plus yeah, yards a game. Of his life. Four touchdowns a game. Like they were on fire. Obviously it petered out eventually because yeah. that is was not a very talented team. Yeah. But with some legit talent and a legit quarterback here, hopefully, you know, he can sustain it. Yeah. Um, and speaking of sort of that connection between Odell and Baker, I uh, a former guest on this podcast, friend of the podcast, Charles McDonald uh, for SB Nation. He is four verts on Twitter, wrote a piece today about uh, it's titled, uh, Why Baker Mayfield is the Perfect Quarterback for Odell Beckham Jr. What a great... Could you have a better headline? I don't think you can. Um, and there were some really interesting stats in here that I wanted to just touch on very briefly. And, and people have talked about this too, but like Odell, one, is really good at beating man coverage. And two, um, he's really good at running slants and yards yeah. after the catch. Mm-hmm. And there are some stats in here about Mayfield... Uh, throwing the slant route. He went 12, with, with Kitchens as his play caller, Mayfield went 12 of 19 on slant routes for 137 yards, three touchdowns. His passer rating was 124.3. And then per Sports Info Solutions, analytics heavy today. Turn this off if you're an old school football What player. is this crap? Oh, I'm done with this. Uh, 89, so basically 90% of Mayfield's passes on slant routes were on target. And Eli Manning last year, um, only 80 set, so about three percentage points less of his passes were on target. Uh, and his, his his passer rating, Baker was 124.3 on slant routes. Eli was 94.2. So, like, it's yeah. going to be a big jump up. And the routes that Odell thrives at, and you should go read this full article by, uh, by Charles. It's on his Twitter. Um, but the, the routes that Baker uh, thrives at, like the slant and just beating... Putting the ball in places where guys can beat man coverage, it's going to be like they—they they yeah. are kind of a match made in heaven for each other, which is crazy because how talented Odell is. Yeah, and I remember watching Baker's. I was a Baker guy from day one. I have the receipts wow. on Twitter. Speak I, on I was it. Pounding, Speak I was on pounding it. Pounding the table for Baker. Um, you know, weeks before the draft, that you know, John Dorsey might want to look at my resume. <laughs> uh, been sending you, but anyways, uh, just watching him in college and kind of watching his highlights. His ball placement on kind of the gimme throws, you know, slants aren't gimmies necessarily, yeah. but those short throws where he puts them in position to kind of run into the catch and just add yak was something that I was really impressed with because a lot of guys will throw those swing passes, they'll throw those slants, and it'll just be ugly. The guy will have to twist and turn and contort his body to catch it and get zero yards after catch. But that's something about Baker that's always really popped for me is his ability to kind of put his receivers in good positions for yards after catch. So. Yeah, for sure. And one more thing that kind of speaks to that too. Mayfield finally had games, so the games that Freddie Kitchens was calling plays. Uh, 63% of his passes were on target. 
uh, Eli Manning, the entire, this is his whole season. One? Uh, 1%, <laughs> yeah. It's actually 57%, uh, but that's still, like, the numbers. It's a big it, jump, yeah. It may not seem like 6 7% is a lot, but it, it over the course of a season, with sure. and then boiling the, that down to, like, game by game, it's a big deal. So, uh, yeah. You wonder why Odell Beckham Jr. is saying, like, we're about to go win Super Bowls. It's because he's probably looking at some of these numbers and being like, I'm going to play, I'm being unleashed. Like, I will be unleashed finally, and, like, it's a scary thing to think about. Yeah. I mean, our, our receiver, like, it, it's still, you know, I think this all has happened so fast where yeah. it doesn't feel real that we have Odell Beckham. It doesn't feel real that we're predicting to win Super Bowls, but we have them, and it's real. I, I sometimes think about the lesser, the players who've been not quite as much talked about now that we got an OBJ, yeah. and just get overwhelmingly excited. Yes. Like, Antonio Callaway. I know. Oh, like, <laughs> like year two of Nick Chubb. Is yeah, a, is a year huge two of thing. Nick Chubb. Yeah. Yes, like uh, Larry Ogunjobi, like shooting gaps again. Yeah, like, it's just no. It's going to be. Um, it's going to be really fun. That's the thing. It's like if people there's there is a bar. I think the lowest they could be the worst. Like think of the worst possible scenario for the Browns of a season. Even is the best Madden team. Is ever. the best Madden team, and you're still going to have a bunch of fun. And I don't yeah, exactly. Think, I don't. And the worst case scenario is not going to happen. But even if you think like, oh shit, they went six and nine, you'd be like, oh, that's oh, that sucks. Interesting choice. Mm, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> it was just it was on my mind. Six and nine. What's the most fun record? <laughs> and it will still be so fun. Wow. It really will. Uh, yeah. So it'll be a good time. So everybody relax. And it's fine. Um, Brandon, to finish, and thank you for joining me on the rebuild. This Thanks been, for having me, man. It's been really wonderful. Um, there's some former Browns quarterback news. So um, as we were taping this, and we'll, we'll start here, Derek Anderson retired today. He just what? announced his retirement per Adam Schefter. This is, folks, this is breaking news live here on the rebuild. Derek Anderson, after somehow has been in the NFL for 14 yeah. years. I'm most shocked because I thought he retired years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, let's see. Who, who was he most recently with? The Buffalo Bills, apparently. The Bills. There's a okay. photo of him in a Bills jersey, so I guess he played with them. Right. Um, here's a quote from Bills general manager Brandon Bean. Derek let me know a few weeks back that he wasn't sure if he could be committed and wanted to think about it. Like, if I'm... <laughs> I'd be respectful, but I'd be like, Derek, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Why are you bothering me? I'd be like, I'm, I'm at dinner with my family. Yeah. I'm, I'm with my wife. Can I call you back? Like, Derek, it's not going to affect us. Um, so I knew one way or another, going in the draft, this was something that could potentially happen. Um, he's going to retire. His last season was spent in Buffalo. He's 35. Um... His main role last year was to mentor Josh Allen, which is not, I don't, that's a tough combination. Derek, Derek Anderson, isn't Derek Anderson just an older Josh Allen? Uh, Josh Allen, to be fair, Josh Allen is better than Derek Anderson, but they both have, they both have a huge arm. And they both probably yeah. won't live up to expectations. I mean, Josh Allen is Derek Anderson's son, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yes. They, they His large son. They switched last names so no one would I'm, know. I am slightly a Josh Allen defender. And that, that is... I, I, I don't want to get into that. I, we, we'll, we, we don't have to. But... Hey, rushing yards. They count. They count. They count. He's a great rusher. Um, and we, we don't have to do, make this a... Re, re, reminisce about Anderson's career as a Brown. But why... I mean, might as well. This is a big moment, him retiring live on air. He should have called into the show. I don't know why. Will he be... It, will he have that Browns hat on? Will we, will the we, Hall of Fame bus? Yeah, the Hall of Fame. Do you get a hat in your bus? I don't, I don't think know. you get a hat. That's probably on no. Cooper's town. Right? Yeah, that's just yeah. baseball, I think. No hats. <laughs> no hats. But you should petition. That's the only thing wrong with what I just said, though. <laughs> he won't be wearing a hat. But He'll he will be in a Browns uniform. Yeah. 
Um, he was a sixth round draft pick. Played for Oregon State. Baltimore Ravens took him. I remember the I remember when the Browns signed him. They were like, "This guy's been a backup in Baltimore, and I don't, he should never have been a backup. He is starter quality." And, and me buying in a hundred percent to that, being like. Hey, have you heard about this quarterback we got from Baltimore who definitely should be a starter? Yeah. <laughs> when I was young and naive <laughs> and didn't know anything. His PR release says he's a really talented guy. But you know what? To his credit, he is... They went 10-6 and in 2007. He made a Pro Bowl. One of the most sure fun Browns years, which is a, a sad bar. But it was a legitimate, like, just throwing bombs to Braylon Edwards and Kellen Winslow. They had a legitimately good offense that year. They, of course, didn't Jamal make Lewis. the playoffs. Jamal Lewis, mm-hmm. the random Browns running back for a couple years. Yep. So he threw for 3,787 yards and 29 touchdowns. That's at a time yeah. when, like, guys didn't throw no. that many yards. Like, that's no. pedestrian now, but, yeah, that was – he had an, an amazing season. Yeah, and then he essentially, after Cleveland, um, he just backed up quarterbacks. Like, he was in uh, Carolina for a while behind. And yeah. I, he would always celebrate on the sideline with Cam. they do that little jump shot celebration whenever Cam would score. And I'm like, you know what, Derek? I see you living your best life. So you can make $4 million to do that. <laughs> Yeah, like, good for you. So, um, Derek Anderson has retired. And then uh, Cody Kessler today was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Did you know he was on the Jacksonville Jaguars? Because I briefly forgot I, that's where he ended the season. Yeah, I did know he was on the Jaguars because I remember, uh, I'm because I'm, you know, I religiously follow his career. Yeah. Uh, so of <laughs> you are the number one Cody Kessler uh, fan. Yeah, I'm just getting the Google alert now that he's been released. Yeah, and you're it's a sad day. It is. But, um, yeah, who knows? I mean... It's the the life of the backup quarterback in the NFL, though. Especially is, former Browns. He'll probably just be signed by some other yes. team. Like he'll probably just be in the league for like four or five more years. Like I don't understand it. They're, they're, it's like this secret market where somehow every team decides. Like there's some rip in the time space continuum where yeah. every backup quarterback who's ever played just, just manages to stay in the league for twelve years. Do you think there is a message board where, uh, for backup quarterbacks where it's like general managers and they're like, who's Group available? Yeah. And you, yeah, and you go in like, what's Cody Kessler doing? They're like, oh, nope, there he is. Like, I think there's a Reddit thread or just like, yeah. where it's just... Hey, these are the quarterbacks. They're, they're all, it's just a LinkedIn group where they all sit in there with their headshots. <laughs> yeah, and you can't say if you type in Colin Kaepernick, it just doesn't show up. Oh, it's just like black ink. It's yeah. nothing. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Cody Kessler. I'm sure Cody Kessler will get picked up. Um, he still remains. This is hilarious to me. So you know, the, there's the running joke about how much Pro Football Focus loved Cody Kessler. And they, about, like, his completion present. Like, Pro Football Focus had a lot of articles. I, I remember desperately clinging to Pro Football Same. Focus numbers Same. when the Browns were so bad. Yes. I was like, but, but look at this. But Cody <laughs> Kessler says we're hard. not that bad. I know. Um, so it, that was always really funny. And I really, I think Pro Football Focus does really good work. But Me sometimes too. they, yeah. there's some I think articles. when you produce that much data, yeah. sometimes you're going to find, if you're looking for you something can to find, cling to, yeah. you can find something to cling to. And it was really funny. So he was like this analytics darling and then i was looking at that expect expected completion percentage stat uh, for the mitch trubisky thing and lo and behold there is cody kessler like one of the top five quarterbacks in the league in like he completed way more passes than you than he was supposed to and i'm like you know what dude you keep on doing you man yeah some team will sign you literally off of that stat probably i mean i think about who he's throwing to too Let's bring it back in. Give him another chance. Start him. I don't know. <laughs> Have him, Start him compete with Baker. I don't know. What's a little competition? Yeah. Um, Baker's looking a little thick. I mean, you bring... Yeah, Baker's fat. You bring Cody Kessler in here. Spelt Cody Kessler. Wow. And 
Someone gets their act in line. Wow. So when Cody Kessler is your starting quarterback for the 2019 season, you heard it on the radio <laughs> first. Um, Jacksonville felt like uh, Gardner Minshew uh, is going. The jean oh, yeah. shorts wearing mustache. mustache having out of Washington State um, can be Cody Kessler. And I think that's disrespectful to Cody Kessler. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really like monumental day and backup in former Browns quarterback history today. Man, it's it's wild to think about all the guys who have come through here and the, oh. the list of names on the jersey. Something yeah. we don't have to look at no. anymore. Please, please don't let me ever see that jersey again. But it is crazy. Like Cole McCoy still around. Oh yeah, I mean the guys. Kevin Hogan is somewhere. Like yeah. the Browns back, and it's this is mostly because the Browns are dumb. <laughs> they draft these guys that should just be backup quarterbacks, and that's why now yeah. they're just backup quarterbacks yeah. everywhere. But the Browns, Charlie Fry didn't make it. I know. Sometimes people bring up, they're like, oh, as soon as he leaves the Browns, he's off. Like, they bring up this narrative that yeah. players leave the Browns and turn into, like, amazing players. It's like, no. No, not really, dude. Like, they just. I, like, I know, like, you know, Barkevius Mingo and, like, is still in the league, but it's yeah. not like these guys are, like, all pros. Like, the Browns just were not good at drafting. No, <laughs> the players just like settle into the spots they were supposed to be drafted, like backup yeah. linebackers and backup quarterbacks. Yeah, but it's so it's really funny. But I mean, like you will always have those. No matter what, you'll be watching a game and some dude will come in. And you'll be like, oh man, that's X player that did nothing for the Browns because they drafted him way too yeah. high. And when you have the amount of turnover we've had, oh there, man, there's Browns all over the league. Everywhere. Browns Nation, baby, they're everywhere. That's, that was why they did it. Yeah. So they could have intel. Sleeper in, cells. Yeah, sleeper cells. Wow. Wow. Maybe Hugh Jackson was brilliant. <laughs> we may never know. Uh, well, Brandon, I think it is time for this podcast to come to a close. We've covered a lot of ground today. Um, I'm too sad to continue with the news of Cody and, and Derek Anderson anyway. Yeah. So uh, thank you for joining me again. Brandon Hall, at B Hall 216 on Twitter. Spicy Takes. Um, check him out there. Check him out on stack.com and go read all his profiles of Draft prospects that either uh, you liked in college or went to one of your favorite teams or whatever it is. Brandon probably wrote about them. So uh, check that out. Brandon, thank you for joining me. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.